Welcome to another edition of the Food Systems Podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. My name is Mark Tittrington and today we're talking about the future of agriculture in Ukraine and I'm delighted to be joined by Alex Lashitsa, the president of the Ukrainian uh, Club of Agribusinesses. Uh, Alex, great to have you with us. I know we had a, a really good roundtable discussion yesterday um, in Brussels and, and I wonder if I might start by asking you, you know, just your assessment of where Ukrainian agriculture is today and some of the challenges that you shared with us yesterday that that farmers are facing, obviously, in, in this very difficult time. Hi, Mark. Uh, nice to be with you today on that podcast. Um, yeah, we have had a quite good discussion yesterday, and there were a lot of topics uh, discussed, uh, which uh, are currently also uh, on, the, on the agenda in Ukraine. Ukraine um, is in a war, and uh, before the war, Ukrainian agriculture was a kind of locomotive for the national economy with uh, absolutely enormous numbers of profitability, export, uh, and uh, all other stuff. Right now, we do face a lot of problems in Ukraine uh, beside the war. Now, I would start with the first one, probably, uh, which is uh, currently the biggest one, is uh, availability of human capital. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are fighting right now on the front line. And in some regions where I do work right now in the north Ukraine, there are practically no people. So we have to adjust our technologies. We have to adjust uh, uh, our technical equipment. Uh, the second biggest problem is uh, availability of uh, financial resources, uh, the Ukrainian banks provide only limited resources to the Ukrainian farm, uh, farmers uh, as uh, working capital. I don't speak about CAPEX. The foreign banks uh, are not very active right now in Ukraine. So it means that uh, a lot of uh, businesses in agriculture, especially the small and medium-sized farmers, they will probably next year give up because uh, if uh, of um, not because of low profitability of the business and. Uh, and uh, not uh, available financial resources. Why we have so low profitability? Because of very high logistic costs. If you look on the prices uh, globally, if we would uh, deliver, for example, a winter wheat uh, from Ukraine to Spain, the price in Spain will be 240 uh, uh, euros per ton. Unfortunately, the farmer in Ukraine will get only 90 euros per ton, so 150 euros per ton will be spent for different types of logistics, insurances, um, uh, risk covering instruments, etc. And that is actually the biggest problem for everybody. And if you look on the numbers, what we have right now, in terms of planting numbers of winter crops in Ukraine, uh, there are like 4 million hectares on the winter crops, and that's definitely much more low than we have had before the war. So Ukraine is going to disappear over the next years from the global wheat market uh, because of, uh, of uh, lack of working capital, because of lack of uh, financial resources for purchasing of needed inputs, uh, lack of human capital, and very high logistic costs. Alex, we, we we touched on it yesterday um, a little bit in in our discussion, but you know how how do we get that that end price um, for Ukrainian farmers up so that they're getting more of a share of of what 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 the the I suppose the global price actually actually is, and they're they're rewarded for what they're doing because that that clearly seems to be a challenge. 
So that's a challenge, definitely. And I think we have to go, we have to work together with European partners because most of the problems, unfortunately, are coming from our neighbor partners and countries like Poland, Hungary, uh, and Slovakia, because all the chaos we see right now on the border between Ukraine and Poland has also impact on the whole agriculture because we cannot get, due to the blockade of the Polish logistic companies, the border uh, of Ukraine, we cannot get, for example, the, the needed inputs or medicine or something like that, uh, veterinary instruments uh, th that increase our cost again. Uh, yeah, we cannot export easily because of that blockade again. And because of five countries uh, in the European Union, they don't like to have our products uh, in European Union. So there are a lot of uh, a lot of problems right now, which actually caused by you, unfortunately, our partners. And we do believe that some of them can be easily solved. Uh, uh, also with, with Poland, for example, to create a kind of grain chain to Gdansk, or we can actually more uh, uh, develop the infrastructure in uh, Romania to bring more grains from Ukraine to Romania and, and, and to decrease the insurance costs uh, for many Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian uh, logistic companies. So I, th I think they are instruments, uh, but unfortunately, this I, I do see less willingness to, to, to change the situation. Yeah, I mean, we we again we touched on it yesterday. It's it's a it's a challenge for Ukraine. It's a challenge for Europe. It's a challenge for the world. Um, you know, both in in the short term and the long term, in terms of the the, the food and agriculture system that we want and and how we we deal with with these challenges and and indeed others. Maybe come back to that in a in in a moment or two, Alex. But you know, we we've talked about you know some of the challenges that that Ukraine is facing in the. In, in the short term, in addition to, um, you know, solving, working together to solve some of these blockages, what what else do you think Ukraine farmers are going to need in, in the next one to two years as as hopefully we, we, we come out of a conflict situation and, and we begin to take the steps that we need on, on the road to recovery? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, what what Ukrainian uh, agriculture needs right now and, and will need in the future uh, so the, the list is huge, but let's start with financial resources. They are unfortunately not uh, available for working capital, but even also for their CAPEX, uh, because over the last two years, Ukrainian farmers have not invested in CAPEX, especially in uh, agriculture, machinery and equipment. Uh, just one number, before the war, Ukrainians have purchased their equipment for about uh, about 10,000 pieces per year. Right now, only about 1,700 pieces a year. So that's five times less than before the war. That means that will affect the technology, that will affect their productivity and uh, yields over the next years. Uh, so, uh, and and the, the money is just not available for the CAPEX, like for three or five years, and, and more or less predictable interest rates. Uh, the second biggest problem is and will be the human capital. So we need to change our technology because we don't have any kind of human capital right now, especially male. Uh, they are not available because they are fighting or they are just not available in some regions. So we need to adjust over the next year. So also the technology, we need to be more progressive. We need to be more modern in terms of using our uh, inputs. Yeah, the third problem is, of course, the logistics, and we have to find uh, not only today, but also for the long-term perspective, we need to find the 
the, the solutions for logistics. And the fourth problem is that our export, uh, export possibility to the European Union, as you know, in May of next year, uh, European Union probably will prolong, but probably will not prolong the, the, uh, the three, uh, free trade agreement uh, with Ukraine. Uh, and, and that's a question because uh, Ukrainian govern, government is looking right now for projects for value-added projects in agriculture just to increase uh, increase their production of uh, different types of processed industries. But in the same time, if we have no chance to prolong the agreement with European Union for the next years, where we will be able to export our products to Europe, then it doesn't make uh, any sense to invest right now in a value-added processing uh, in a processing industry. Uh, and that, I think, I think Ukraine politically needs a clear message from European Union when will we become the member of the European Union? Will be at 2028, 2030, because unclear messages, not clear situation with, uh, with uh, free trade uh, does not help us, not only the farmers, but also agriculture in, in general, uh, to be more, uh, to be more uh, progressive, to, to think about the future, to think about the perspectives, and to start to invest in some new projects. What uh, mm. what what is clear that Ukraine needs right now? Yeah, I mean, we again we 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 touched on it yesterday, Alex. Your your perspective on this would be you know highly valuable. I mean, you've 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 talked there about the immediate short term challenges, that the the need for a long term signal of of the direction that that Ukraine is is heading in. Let, let's let's you know speculate and say that, that that is towards towards membership of the european union that, that is indeed fulfilled how will ukraine agriculture need to adapt in order to um integrate with with certainly some of the the, the policies and indeed perhaps help shape some of the policies on the future of agriculture um so that's one question alex and and i suppose within that then is is what does sustainability mean to to Ukraine agriculture to to Ukrainian farmers? Um, yeah, they are very good questions, by the way. But you know, like um, as I said before, we have unfortunately no money right now. If we wanted to get money, new money for new projects, we need to go somewhere abroad and try to find that money. So my company, IMC, has received a loan from European Bank of Reconstruction and Development in two thousand twenty three, even during the war. But uh, we have discussed it many times, and we have actually a loan for five years with good conditions. At the same time, they were first time in the history of my life, they were, beside all the financial issues, they were environmental covenants in the loan agreement. That means that my company has to improve sustainability, that we have improved our technology to the European, European standards, we have to decrease carbons, uh, CO2 emissions, we have to uh, change the technology in terms of soil erosions, etc., etc. So that means uh, that we have already some benchmarks projects like the my company does in Ukraine, where we show to everybody that is possible. So yeah, that is risky for everybody because if I will, will not uh, fulfill all the requirements of the uh, of the of the deal, then it will cost me additionally uh, additionally two percent of the interest rates. But at the same time, I'm I, I'm sure that we will manage to to fulfill all the requirements. And we show to everybody in Ukrainian agriculture 
that is possible. So if we wanted to get new loan from European Bank of Reconstruction and Development or European Investment Bank, or I don't know which one institution, that is mm -hmm. more or less clear. That will be there will be special special issues which we will actually to accept we will we will accept it. And the second issue is in terms of sustainability, also ESG standards. Uh, yeah, the ESG standards will be needed for every one company who is listed. Uh, my company is listed in Warsaw Stock Exchange, so from 2024, we will be actually uh, we will be publishing audited. Uh, in the independently audited ESG report, which is quite a difficult one, but uh, we will also make a benchmark to everybody that is possible. So I think um, I think a lot of discussions about the European Green Deal, about European standards mm. for agriculture, how uh, how how dangerous it could be in terms of using of pesticides, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think there are a lot of discussions. Uh, it's like, you know, like yesterday somebody said we are concerned about Ukrainian agriculture. Uh, everybody in Ukraine is also concerned about European Green Deal, but at the same time, we will show that we can adjust our technology, we can be sustainable, it will cost money, we need to change, uh, we need to change our, our, our strategy, but um, uh, definitely there will be not only my company, there will be few companies more over the next years, which will actually take into account such issues like uh, carbon farming, like sustainability, like uh, 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 standards of, of doing agribusiness, etc. And I think, Alex, I mean, again, we've talked about it yesterday on, on other occasions as as well. This is this is also about a, a, a shared effort, not just from from Ukraine or indeed um, from the European Union, but 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 to shape the, the, the food and agriculture system that we want, the policies that go around it, the, the, the responsibilities of the value chain of the financial intermediaries. To make sure that we have the the support in place that enable um, agriculture and food in Europe, and I include Ukraine in that, to be sustainable from an economic, environmental, and indeed a, a social perspective. My question back to you is: is if if we we step out even of 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 Ukraine, even of Europe, I mean, how important is it that we get this right for for Europe? And indeed, the world achieving this this sustainability, this improved sustainability in food and agriculture. It's absolutely necessary. I think uh, we cannot live and work in agriculture like we uh, we have done before. And uh, yeah, I mean the the, the standards of, the, of, of of for agriculture they are in Europe a little bit higher than somewhere else. But at the same time, sustainability is a key issue for that for being for being uh, for being prosperous and for being successful in and everyone's business, including agriculture. So I do not see any other opportunity to be good in our business to pro to make to make to make good products to sell that good quality products to the people if we do not do that in a sustainable way so for me it's it's a key a key for success uh, in, in in agriculture in the future and uh, we have to accept it we have to learn something new at a kind of painful definitely to change ourselves to be prepared for 
to big changes in the future, but there are not many options. If we wanted to be successful, if we wanted to get uh, financial resources from the banks in Europe somewhere, if we wanted to sell products around the world, so we have to think in, in that way that sustainability is a key issue for our business. As we kind of come to the end of our, our um, discussion this morning, uh, Alex has been, been fascinating. I mean, the, the situation that that you and your company uh, that Ukraine has experienced over the past couple of years has has been unprecedented. Um, I wonder if you kind of might might just share a few reflections of your your personal experience over the last um, two years. Um, and then if you can, if we can try and project forward and, and hope for for better times, what, what are your hopes and aspirations, but both for UK, Ukraine in general and agriculture in particular? Yes, um, you know, not easy to explain how how uh, I personally spent my two last years because you know, like the war started and I woke up in in the capital of Ukraine in, in Kiev, and I I, I I was prepared for the war. So I say that probably will something happening, but uh, you cannot be prepared for that war like it started. I, I was I was uh, shocked and uh, 80% of my business were located in the north of Ukraine, uh, was occupied during the first week and then uh, yeah, and then the, the, the first uh, period of uh, war was for me the crucial question to answer all my people are still alive or not and I have more than 2,000 uh, workers uh, in my company. Uh, including silos facilities, including logistic companies, etc. And uh, after the first shock and, and, and after the occupation of the North Ukraine, the second issue for us was actually uh, how can we bring 1 million ton grains from the country out because we were completely out of the, of the, of the international market. And it has taken six months that we have started to sell something. So we have had, we haven't had actually any kind of financial resources, additional financial resources for the six months period. But finally we started to sell and the third period of time for us was uh, how can we live under the war in the, in, the, in, the, in the region, which is practically everyday bombs. And 30% uh, of our land was mined. Uh, we've started immediately with demanding procedures so I've learned uh, what kind of mines exist. I've never done it before in my life, but I've learned that. And um, you know what I've learned? Another one thing that the people in Ukraine doesn't matter what they do, agriculture, education, or they are fighting on the front line. They do believe in the victory. They do believe that everybody should do something, doesn't matter where we are, for that big victory. And my team works every day in absolutely impossible conditions in the north Ukraine with minefields. With, uh, we have uh, had two explosions of our tractors, uh, some of the infrastructure destroyed, our dairy industry, we have had a big dairy farm with 1,000 cows on a close to border with Belarusia, completely destroyed and, and, and animal killed. Uh, we have survived. Over the last two years, we have learned a lot how can we be adjustable to the new reality. And I think that for the future, exactly our readiness to be uh, to be ready for adjustments 
for changes that will help us also to survive next years. Uh, I don't know when the war will end, but I'm pretty sure that we will win the war. I'm pretty sure that we will survive. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the companies which have learned over the last two years be robust. They will also be robust over the next years and we will start new projects. We invest right now with limited resources, invest in logistics, uh, we invest actually in the processing and do plan about our time after. Because without strategy, without understanding what's gonna to happen over the next five years, it will be very difficult to explain the team to the people we have worked uh, in, in, in rural areas, uh, actually that we are good and we will be even better, but we need to survive such difficult time, times we have right now. And I think I think that uh, it, 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 uh, I do see in the faces of my team, and I'm right now sitting in a small a small town, Nizhen, in the north Ukraine, and I do uh, look on the eyes of my people. They believe, they have no doubts. We'll be, the company will survive. We work just to get that victory sooner. Alex, um, I mean, thank you so much for sharing those um, those personal reflections, which which are obviously so grounded in in your reality today, um, but also projecting that onto onto the future. Um, it it has always been a great pleasure to to talk with you, Alex. Um, no more so than um, than today. Greatly enjoyed the roundtable that we that we did yesterday um, with colleagues in in Brussels. Um, so thank you very much indeed for for joining us today. Much appreciated, Alex. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much for organizing that event yesterday and, and for podcast today. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it very much, and I do appreciate actually the support of all Europeans and especially you institution. You do support Ukraine so much. We are we are so thankful to all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. You've been listening to another edition of the Food Systems Podcast today with the president of the Ukrainian Agribusiness Club and chief executive of IMC, Alex Lishitsa. Thanks very much indeed for listening. Join us again next time.